Welcome to This is Type 1, real-life type 1 diabetes with your hosts, Colleen and Jesse. I'm Colleen Mitchell, and I've had type 1 diabetes for 23 years. By day, I'm a process analyst in the power industry, and by night, I'm an author, blogger, and virtual assistant. I'm passionate about type 1 diabetes education and showing others that this disease doesn't define me. I'm Jesse Tuggy, and I've had type 1 for 7 years. I love hiking and painting, and I'm looking forward to working as an engineer after college. My diagnosis has inspired me to take control of my future and learn everything I can about it. Each week on the show, we'll talk about real life with type 1 diabetes, bring on cool people with connections to type 1, and above all, encourage you to understand that this disease doesn't have to hold you back. This isn't medical advice. This is life with type 1. Welcome to episode 29 of This is Type 1, real life type 1 diabetes with your hosts, Colleen and Jesse. Today, we're talking about what I like to call encountering diabetics in the wild. Now, just a quick reminder for everyone, if you have any questions about type one or the show, please leave us a comment or send us an email at colleen at inspiredforward.com. Jesse, you are up for the win of the week. Yes, ma'am, I am. All right, so I decided to put my CGM back on. Now, this is the first time I've done this in like three months, so it's kind of a big deal personally for me. But this is a win because lately I've been feeling exhausted because of my diabetes and because of the constant care that it needs, which is fine. I completely understand. It was just making me really tired and my CGM really wasn't helping. So this morning, I don't know what happened, but for some amazing reason, I wanted to put it back on. Yes, I did miss it actually. And yes, there's a little bit more weight on my shoulders with some worry about how I'm going to be able to handle this but it also feels good at the same time, like a little bit of extra added spice and pressure to it. That's funny because I actually went last night without my sensor on because it expired at like 5.30. And if I had changed it last night, the next time I have to change it will be in the middle of a massage session. So I didn't want to have to do that. And so I just changed, I just went the night without my sensor on and then changed it this morning. I have the fail this week, and this is kind of a supplies fail of my own doing, especially when it comes to backup kits and emergency supplies. And you can listen to episode 17 for more on that. But I did mention in a previous episode that the spare vial of insulin that I had at work expired in September of 2018. So I finally rotated it back to the house, and the last site that I had used up basically the rest of that insulin it kind of worked for the first two days. And then today it just all went to crap. My number was flat at 170 all day. And just now this evening, as we're recording this, it started creeping up towards 200. And so I just changed my set with a brand new fresh file of insulin. And I gave an injection to help bring it down. I, I kind of expected this to happen in the back of my brain that this old vial of insulin would end up not working as well. So I'm not exactly surprised. I'm still frustrated. So it's a good reminder to make sure I have unexpired supplies and don't let insulin sit out that long, even if it still works this much later, but not as well. Jesse, what's our hack this week? All right. This has to do with your insulin pump. So if you don't have an insulin pump, I'm sorry, but I would also say, please reconsider. They're really great. So for me, I get really annoyed with the beeping of the pump. So I actually changed that. I changed it from the beeping and the constant like high-pitched squeal of a pump to a low-key buzz, which I find is a lot better for me. Now, it's kind of more that your pump actually vibrates than buzzes. It's like when you get a notification on your phone and your phone's on silent. 
But for me, not only does it get my attention faster to my pump and easier, I also don't have the option of ignoring it anymore because it will annoy me so much that I will actually have to look at it rather than when my pump just goes off with the beeping and then I just ignore it for a while and a while longer and then a while longer until it's not necessary and I just can't remember what it was for. So for me, it was a good change. I only did it about a year ago, but ever since then, it's made my life a lot easier. So Colleen, do you have your pump on vibrate or on a beep? It's on vibrate and it's been on vibrate for as long as I can remember. I think as soon as I got the tandem pump and experienced the high pitch squeals for the alarms, I was like, uh-uh, I ain't dealing with this. <laughs> I went straight to vibrates. And I think, um, I think the... Medtronic 723 Rebel also had vibrate, but it wasn't as pronounced. So I still had a few alarms on that one actually make noise. Right, which is normal. I mean, I have some that make noises and some that don't, but mainly I strictly keep it to a buzz. So then I, I really have to look at it and it's just easier for me. On the tandem pump, there are some alarms that you can't silence. So if, if a delivery stops, which it did tonight because it's like, oh, old insulin, blah, blah, blah. It does really high-pitched, like, do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Actually, no, it vibrates three times, and then, and then it does the noise, and so it's extra annoying. <laughs> it's great. So let's talk about diabetics in the wild. I've used this phrase before, but whenever I spot someone out in public with an insulin pump or maybe an Omnipod PDM or maybe they're messing with an insulin pump or syringes in a vial or their CGM, I always get excited because... This is a diabetic in the wild. Only 5 to 10% of diabetics are type 1. So to me, it's always fun to come across someone in public who has the same condition I have, even though I know so many people with it already and spend time with them at least once a year at Panther Camp. In my experience, most people are actually pretty cool with meeting and talking to other diabetics in the wild. It's kind of a weird sense of relief because it's tangible proof that you're not the only one dealing with diabetes. And a lot of the time, it can feel like that, since diabetes is very individual, and the internet sometimes acts like a barrier to reality. It's also fun to use the phrase diabetics in the wild when people have never heard it before. People think it's funny, and that kind of helps break the ice or ease the tension. So how do you spot a diabetic in the wild? Well, it's usually pretty subtle. Since diabetes is an invisible illness, which means it doesn't show any outward physical symptoms, you have to pay attention to the little things. The most obvious thing that I spot is pump tubing. I've encountered so many diabetics in the wild just by noticing their tubing and asking them if that's an insulin pump and then just going from there. And when I talked with police officer Aaron Holyfield in episode 16, I pointed out a lot of ways that they can identify a diabetic in the wild as part of their course of duty. And Aaron loved that phrase. <laughs> Those are things like medical alert bracelets or tattoos, pump tubing, pumps or CGMs alarming, Every year at Panther Camp, it's inevitable that we'll hear a pump alarm and then check our own pumps, only to realize it was someone else's pump. And I love that. It's always so fun to, to hear all of the pumps going off. There's also maybe small bumps under the clothing, on the arms, abdomen, or legs, about the size of an MP3 player if it's an Omnipod, or kind of just a little raised bump maybe, the size of a quarter if it's a sensor or an infusion site. And maybe they're presenting symptoms of low or high blood sugars. Or maybe they're messing with meter kits, tech, or other supplies. And this is kind of a big, pretty obvious sign, but if they have a diabetes alert dog, 
the dog's service vest will actually identify that they are a diabetes alert dog. Sometimes spotting a diabetic in the wild can be a matter of life or death. Low blood sugars can often make people act like they're drunk. That's why it's really dangerous to drive when you're low. If a type 1 diabetic collapses on the street with a low blood sugar, especially at night, and everyone around them thinks that they're just drunk and can sleep it off, that diabetic might not ever wake up. And I, I think I heard a story like this on the news that a man collapsed on a sidewalk and everyone just walked around him because they all assumed he was drunk. And it took hours for someone to call emergency response. And his, his liver must have been working overtime to produce enough glucagon to keep him alive. His blood sugar was so low. There's nothing wrong with being a good Samaritan, even if it might turn out that they are just drunk and do need to sleep it off. The best way for myself to spot a diabetic in the wild is by their pump. Most of the time I have mine hanging out, so kids and people always see it. I've had people come up to me in amusement parks, the general store, the Dollar Tree parking lots, getting into my car or my mom's car, and just being like, hey, you're type 1 diabetic, and they always ask if I am. I always tell them yes, and I always ask how they know. Most of the time, they're type 1 diabetics themselves, or they actually know someone. So I would like to elaborate on the amusement park story. We were at that one amusement park in Idaho, northern Idaho, and I cannot remember the name of it for my life. Uh, Colleen's thinking about it too. Silver something. Silverwood, that's it. So we were at Silverwood, and we were in line. I think it was for the spinner. And it goes up and around this pole and you go in the air and it's really fun. Anyways, we were in line for it and I had this younger girl come up to me and she said, you're type 1 diabetic, aren't you? And I said, yeah, how do you know? And she's like, I'm type 1 diabetic. And I was like, that's so cool. That's awesome. What type of pump do you have? How did you recognize it? And apparently I found out she had an Omnipod like Colleen. And she was really, really loving it, but I still wanted some advice on how to handle some diabetic issues at her school and if I could do anything for her. So I said yes, and I said, how about you check out a diabetic camp? And this seemed to really help her, and hopefully she's doing great now. I didn't even get her name or phone number or anything, but it felt like I made a difference, and that made me feel really good. But when it comes to the term sleeping it off, I always find it kind of funny when I tell someone I'm high and I need to sleep it off. So <laughs> Colleen's laughing at me because usually when most of the time when diabetics say they're high, they're talking about the blood sugar and not some narcotic drug that you can find on the street. So for us, we just decide to sleep it off, meaning when we're high, we're going to put some insulin in and then we're going to go to bed because we don't feel so great. I've actually done that in college. I remember I had a group project meeting or something. And my blood sugar was just so high all day. I think it was in the 300s and it just was not coming down. And so I just, I called it a day in the middle of my group meeting. I was like, I have to go. I'm, my blood sugar is too high. I'm going to go home and sleep it off. And it really helped. So that girl at the amusement park, did she have an Omnipod or did she have a tandem pump? I couldn't really tell you because I was only in eighth grade and really wasn't exposed to the different pumps as I am now. But I want to say it was an Omnipod but it was like one of the older versions. So I couldn't really be sure, but I know she didn't have a Medtronic of any sort because I was on the Medtronic. This was back, yeah, eighth grade or so. So I was only 14, three or four years ago. Okay, because you said that uh, she had an Omnipod like Colleen and I was like, I don't have an Omnipod. (laughs) 
oh i'm sorry no it's okay i think it was i thought you did i don't know i i'm a medtronic girl i'm a medtronic i mean i was a medtronic girl yeah see i'm a former medtronic girl (laughs) yeah i'm medtronic (laughs) well anyways when it comes to the term sleeping it off i always find it funny but if we are low sleeping's not the best option for us because that can kill us but if you're high and you haven't tried this before, go ahead and give it a try. Drink some water before you go to bed. You're going to wake up. You're going to really have to pee. And it's funny because I'm just going to tell you this. Every time that I'm high and I go to the bathroom like 20 minutes later, my blood sugar just plummets down. It's really weird. It's like a release almost of the, all the sugars that are in my body. So I always flood my system with water in a healthy way. But it's a really good option is to go to sleep and get some water and sleep off your sugars. That is good advice. So diabetics in the wild are people just like the rest of us. Sometimes it's difficult to remember that, but it's important to remember to treat them like people. And what I mean by that is if they seem uncomfortable or uninterested in talking about their diabetes, don't push them and don't make it all about you. On my trip to Houston a couple weeks ago, an older gentleman in front of me at TSA PreCheck told the agents that he couldn't go through the scanner because of his continuous glucose monitor. And I remember saying something like, oh, hey, I have one of those too, type 1 diabetic. And he kind of glanced around and said, me too, and then just kind of ignored me from then then on. So his mannerisms and behavior really indicated he didn't want to talk about it, and that was fine. Most people don't like being at TSA at five in the morning anyway. So I basically forgot about him and put all of my things through the scanner and and got my pat down and moved on. And a quick reminder that you can hear more about air travel with type 1 diabetes in episode 11. But anyway, after I got through security and, and got coffee from Starbucks, I walked past a gate that had a bunch of medical people surrounding someone. And it was the guy from PreCheck with the CGM. And as I continued walking to my gate, I saw more medical people passing by with a gurney heading towards that gate. So it makes me wonder if his disinterest in the pre-check line was maybe indicative of an impending or a currently crashing low blood sugar, or if it was confusion from an extreme high. I mean, either way, he probably wasn't checking his, his CGM. And either way, it's important to pay attention to how people act when you bring up diabetes. Some people just don't want to talk about it. I've seen someone check their sensor with their phone, and then if I asked if it was a CGM, he just said, yep, type 2, and then left it there. So don't be pushy when talking to diabetics in the wild. It's just reality that some of them won't be as excited as you are to talk about it, or as excited as Jesse and me. That's true. We get really happy when we see diabetics in the wild. Honestly, this is one of the first times that I've actually noticed that you use that phrase. I never really like Put it together in my head. I've just gotten so used to it. Anyways, I can't offer some advice at this point. So always ask them if they're diabetic or state that you are too and you notice that they have something that you might have or have seen. Always remember that some people actually have a sense of embarrassment when it comes to talking about diabetes. And it's not your fault or it's not because of you. It's because of the way that they are. So don't feel put off by that. Just know that some people aren't comfortable talking about it. If you see that they're eating a snack or they seem to be wandering around or something and you know they're diabetic, go ahead and offer some help. Just be like, hey, I saw that you have a pump and you seem to be eating something. I'm diabetic too. Is there anything that I can do for you? 
And then also don't get offended if they don't feel like talking. As Colleen mentioned before, there's some people who don't want to talk about it. I have someone at work who's type 2, and he just doesn't like to mention it around me because I think it's some form of guilt or something. But to be honest, I'm really open about it, and hopefully he'll get to know that soon. Tell them to have a great day. Usually this can really boost someone's positivity and can help them have a better day, in fact. I always say, have a great day. I hope your diabetes goes really well. Or if they don't want to talk about diabetes, just say, I really hope you have a great day. It was really nice to talk to you. And this always makes me feel better too because I get to see a smile on their face. If they're really nice and they're really interested in what you have to say or what they are very interesting to you, give some contact information like a social media handle or your email. Nothing too personal though because they are a stranger and you might not know them as well as you would like to. So just be guarded, but you know, always offer that advice and the chance to get to know them and you better. That reminds me that I have another diabetes in the wild story. So every year uh, so far, I've gone to the Smartsheet conference, which is a conference for a software that I use at work. And when I was at the conference this year, I was talking to one of the ladies at the early adopter program booth. And I'm wearing a sweatshirt for the early adopter program, so I'm in it. And I was walking with her to another booth to talk to somebody else about a problem I was having. And when we get there, she starts messing with her pump. So she pulls out her pump and she starts messing with it. And I'm, I perk up and talk to her more about it. And it turns out that she has another friend who also works at Smartsheet who was passing by who also had diabetes. And so she pulled her in. And then we had kind of a little diabetes powwow. And I gave them, my, uh, I gave them the card for this podcast. So that was just a really fun diabetes in the wild experience. So another thing to remember is don't be afraid to put yourself out there. It's easy to be scared of talking to strangers about diabetes because what if it's not diabetes? What if you made an assumption and it's wrong? Well, that's okay. It happens to everyone and it doesn't make you a bad person or a failure. It just means you misinterpreted something. That's human. If it's appropriate, apologize and move on. So try not to let fear of what might happen prevent you from putting yourself out there and talking to others with diabetes. If you want to be a diabetic in the wild, make your diabetes more visible. Pull your pump out in public. Check your blood sugar without worrying about where you are and what people might think. Check your sensor in line at the grocery store. I pull my pump out all the time, whether at work, at home, with family members, out in public, at an event, or whatever. The people who see me regularly are used to it, And sometimes it actually takes a while for someone to ask what my pump is, even if I've been around them for a long time. Most people are curious from a distance. And I remember when I last renewed my driver's license, it was right around the time I got the G6 sensor and I had just figured out that I could get my blood sugars on my phone. And at that point, I hadn't experienced the really obnoxious loud alarm that happens when you don't silence the first alarm when you have a high. And so right in the middle of the Department of Licensing, my phone wailed like a horrible siren. My eyeballs got wide. I frantically silenced my phone. But I also stopped myself from glancing around to see if anybody noticed and was looking at me. And nobody said anything. I didn't get tackled by security for having an alarm go off or anything like that. And even though in the moment it felt a little embarrassing to have my alarm go off so publicly, nobody cared. (laughs) And that kind of reinforced that it's okay to do my diabetes stuff where other can, others can see. All right. So I didn't really know what to add to this topic, to be honest, because I've always been so open about this. I've never been afraid of my diabetes or being diabetic. 
but I really thought about how some people will really avoid you like the plague or like it's an infectious disease because they are uninformed about what diabetes is. And to me, that's really sad, but I always try to inform them what diabetes is and how it's not going to affect their life if I just, you know, shake their hand or something. But there are also people out there who will love you for your diabetes and for your personality. And I find that really important. And whenever my pump goes off in the middle of possibly the DOL or the grocery store or school, I always remind myself, I'm just diabetic, I'm doing my life. And that's the best way I can think of it. I mean, you're not wrong. So what about when you are the diabetic in the wild? And by you, I mean our listeners. So when you are the diabetic in the wild, take care to always be kind and polite, even if you're having a bad diabetes day. Maybe the person approaching you is newly diagnosed and has never met someone else with diabetes in the wild before. Or maybe they have a family member with it and they want an outsider's perspective on behavior or advice for how to best support them. Or maybe they're an old hand at diabetes and just wanted to say hi and let you know that you're not alone in the world of diabetes struggles. When you're the diabetic in the wild, the person approaching you will probably ask questions. It's important that you also ask them questions, engage them in conversation. Get to know them beyond their diabetes. I mean, who knows? You might end up making a new friendship that's only partially based on your diabetes. And one of my favorite moments of being the diabetic in the wild was in physics class in college. Back then, I wore a Medtronic Paradigm 723 pump, which was the precursor to the 630G and, a, and, a, and the 670G. And that was a really hardy pump. But I also wore it clipped to my belt or my pocket, not tucked up in my bra. So the pump and the tubing were both a lot more visible. Anyway, someone in the row behind me asked if that was a pump. And so we got to chatting. And from what I can remember of the conversation, that person had a relative with diabetes who just didn't take care of themselves. And so they asked about my experience with it and for some advice to pass on. I don't think I talked to that person directly ever again, but I did smile and nod whenever I saw them in class after that. A more recent example for me was a recent ski trip I took with a work friend and a bunch of her friends. There was a moment where one of her friends mentioned Dexcom, and my ears perked right up. My work friend had completely forgotten to tell her friend, who works for Dexcom, that I was a diabetic and I was in the car for about an hour with her at that point. She also didn't tell her that I wear a G6. So for most of the rest of that weekend trip, we spent a lot of time talking shop, and while she isn't a diabetic herself, she had a lot of insight from Dexcom's perspective. And it was really interesting to hear about a Dexcom patient's experience and feedback on their product for her. And we'll even bring her on as a guest soon. All right. So one tip that I can give is don't be surprised that you will get recognized for your diabetes, whether it's by your pump or insulin shots or your CGM. You eventually will be, and you'll probably be asked a lot of questions about it, and that's a good thing, because not only are you spreading awareness, but you're also gaining self-confidence in your diabetes as you continue to talk about it. That's the most that I can give right now, because, you know, that's, that's the best and simplest advice that I can give. <laughs> All right, let's talk about our diabetes spotlight. Our spotlight this week is on the Diabetes Patient Advocacy Coalition, also known as the DPAC. DPAC is an alliance of people with diabetes, caregivers, patient advocates, health professionals, disease organizations, and companies working collaboratively to promote and support public policy initiatives to improve the health of people with diabetes. 
DPAC seeks to ensure the safety and quality of medications, devices, and services, and access to care for all 30.3 million Americans with diabetes. It's an advocacy group founded and run by people with diabetes, both type 1 and type 2. They spend the time and effort to make sure policymakers and government officials, both local and federal, keep people with diabetes in mind. And this is especially important now with the astronomical cost of insulin in the United States. This is actually something I would like to get involved with eventually. DPAC members apply for a spot on the coalition, serve for about a year, and then they also go on a couple trips to Washington, D.C. to help spread awareness about the issues we face. You can find out more about DPAC at diabetespac.org. Jesse, what's our question this week? All right. So our question for you, our audience, is have you ever spotted a diabetic in the wild? Or have you ever been called out as a diabetic in the wild yourself? Let us know in the comments. Send me questions or Colleen. And that's it for this episode of This is Type 1. You can find the show notes at inspiredforward.com slash episode 29. That's the number 29. And if you have an idea for an upcoming episode, please leave us a comment or send an email. You can get straight to our podcast page by going to thisistype1.com. Our music is by Joseph McDade, and our audio wizard is my husband, Tim. I'm on all social media as at Inspired Forward, and our email is Colleen at InspiredForward.com. I'm on Instagram as at JJ underscore Crystal K-A-T. Please feel free to send me questions or comments you have about type 1 diabetes or about the show. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this episode, please share it with your friends, your family, subscribe and review wherever you listen since that really helps other people find us. And be sure to listen in next week when we talk about basal rates. That's pump-specific terminology, so we'll also talk about long-acting insulin for those of you on MDI. Remember, you control your diabetes. It doesn't control you. Hey, if you like what you're listening to on this podcast, you have to join us in the Half Dead Pancreas Club. It's my private community where you'll connect face-to-face with other people with type 1 diabetes, get personalized emotional support, and learn how to handle anything T1D throws at you. Join us over at inspiredforward.com community. I can't wait to see you there.